Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. Oh, well, just stop there for a second. It's David Cox. <laughs> and I'm Josh Matheson. And it's 2022. We made it, boys. Whoop. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing anymore. Well, I mean, it's technically an anniversary for our podcast as well. We've done two years. Bloody. Two Yeah, years. we started in January 2020. It was the first episodes went up. Some people sometimes say that I don't finish stuff that I've started, like hobbies. <laughs> Just look at me now. <laughs> I get bullied into turning up to a podcast every week. <laughs> All right. Well, as we said at the end of last year, we are looking at a new book this season. So I can't even remember. Is this season nine now? Well, uh, we no, the last book we did, 39 Steps, was technically season seven. So this is season okay, so eight. Okay, this is season eight. That's still pretty good going, like four books a year. I'm I'm happy with that. And a few little cheeky specials in there. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, for real. So as we said towards the end of last year, we are starting a new book for 2022. And it is, I mean, you already know, Treasure <laughs> yeah, Island. <laughs> yeah. I've been wanting this one from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying it early doors. Yeah, is this yeah. One of your favourite classics, yeah. is it, David? I think so, but it, again, it might be because the Muppets done it. See, yeah. that is my favourite. <laughs> yes, but then it was the same with Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol Muppets is like one of my favourite movies. Oh, once they're again, amazing! It's like, and once again, I shame myself by saying I've not seen a Muppets Treasure Island, so I don't <gasps> even know. I any... think, I think, Josh, you need to wait until you've read it now because then it, I okay. think it will be even funnier. Yes, because like, oh, it's like realize it's taking I mean, the Mickey for, out of it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! And like, all, the, the, the cast is bigger, and yeah, what's great is right. one thing it has over Christmas Carol yeah. is Christmas Carol. A lot of them don't really feature, but a lot of them have got like proper personalities, like in the pirate crew. And mm. like, oh, I can't give too much away. I'm thinking about like the cruise for the mice. I know that is my favorite bit. The fact that like, as the story's going on, like the rats are on a cruise ship on the pipe. Like they're, they're having like a separate parallel universe where they're all on a like yeah. bottomless, all-inclusive cruise while the treasure people are looking for the treasure. And it's so good. Oh, Honestly, it's just brilliant. So good. Absolutely oh, wow. brilliant. Something to look forward to then. Okay, we'll have to, to do a we'll have to do a movie way. watch. We'll have to do a okay, movie yeah, watch. We should. Sort of. uh, a, a, we could do a Patreon watch along. Just so yes, we could do that. Patreonville. Yes, feels like ah, oh, FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you know the story because of the Muppets. Have you actually read the book before, David? I think I did, but when I was like a lot younger, like nine mm. or ten. Or no, no, actually, no, 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 no. I think because, you know, back in the day, some of our listeners will be too, too uh, young to realize that we have to put cassette tapes on in the car because we used to drive down to like France, south of France. Don't fly, drive. So we had to, we listened to, we listened to audio books because there was no podcast or anything. So I think one of them was Treasure Island. And there's a part I rem- I've got a really big memory of laughing because they said something about tossing on the beach or something. <laughs> I remember just me, me and my dad and my brother just laughing at this like really immature thing. And I remember that more than anything. Brilliant. So I have I have previous, uh, but there right. might be bits I've forgotten and, and stuff. But uh, yeah. What about you, Josh? Have you ever read it before? I've not read it. I worked on a stage adaptation of it, but oh, I don't okay. actually know how accurate that was. Right. Okay. So. 
that wasn't one where you had to adapt it yourself, obviously. No, it wasn't, no. no. No, I didn't do that. Okay. Um, have you read it? Uh, I have read the first few chapters of it Chicken. because I was looking at it like when we first started this podcast as like a potential candidate. And then when I was like, yes, I'd like to do this at some point, that's when I stopped. So I think I read the first two chapters, but I mean, it was two years ago and I tried to delete it from my memory because I knew we were going to come back to it. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to like actually getting into it properly and being able to enjoy it rather than reading going, yeah, I think this would translate over audio. I think this would work being read <laughs> out by a narrator. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But uh, do you want to just give us the... Um, the author as well, because I've, I've not even looked it up. And I've got the cover here. So everyone on oh, Patreon who Louis watches Stevenson. the videos will see the cover. Who is it? I know that. Robert, Robert Louis, Louis Stevenson. He's famous as something that's famous. It, well, for having the most amount of names ever, apparently. Lawrence, the, yeah. what? Robert Louis Stevenson. Where did I get Lawrence from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. Uh, very different. Another one. Well, here's the cover. Like with, I think Long John Silver on because the guy's got one leg. I think that's Long John. So we'll find out. Yeah, sorry, Josh. You're like completely just, covered. Uh, you're going to have a bit. They... There you go. <laughs> I'll give you a moment. There you Thank go. You. Oh, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, bye, there bye David. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to go on Patreon to find out what we're What delicious entertainment for the listener. <laughs> All the visual gags. Gosh, remember when we used to do it on Zoom? It's yeah, no, I know. <laughs> we were so ghetto. Well, once upon a dream, yeah. we used to do it in the same room. Yeah, no, it's true. And then we realised yeah. that we could save the commute and um, just do it over the yeah. internet. Yeah. <laughs> right. So lazy, we couldn't even bother to leave our own houses. <laughs> <laughs> well, L- it, was, uh, it, it can be from mine to Matt's house, uh, like a two-hour, forty-round yeah, trip. It's true. It's true. Underground. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, and and hey, the tagline says, you know, without leaving your house. So we're just sticking to the rules, really. You know, why will I disobey my own rules and like, go and <laughs> do something? Honourable. Dare I have a social? Yes, right. exactly. Well, should we dive in then? Is this a good time to tell you that actually? This is a, a first in many ways for the Lazy Book Club podcast because we have a preface. Oh, yay! Before the, even the book begins. So I would love to tell you what chapter one is called, but we're not there yet. Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. To SLO, an American gentleman in accordance with whose classic taste the following narrative has been designed. It is now, in return for numerous delightful hours, and with the kindest wishes, dedicated by his affectionate friend, the author. To the hesitating purchaser. If sailor tales to sailor tunes, storm and adventure, heat and cold, if schooners, islands and maroons, and buccaneers and buried gold, and all the old romance retold, exactly in the ancient way, can please as me they pleased of old, the wiser youngsters of today, so be it, and fall on, if not, if studious youth no longer crave, his ancient appetites forgot, Kingston or Ballantyne the brave, or Cooper of the wood and wave, so be it also, and may I, and all the pirates share the grave where these and their creations lie. 
Part 1. The Old Buccaneer. Chapter 1. The Old Sea Dog at the Admiral Benbow. Squire Trelawney, Dr. Livesey, and the rest of these gentlemen, having asked me to write down the whole particulars about Treasure Island from the beginning to the end, keeping nothing back but the bearings of the island, and that only because there is still treasure not yet lifted, I take up my pen in the year of grace, 17 blank, and go back to the time when my father kept the Admiral Benbow Inn, and the brown old seaman with the sabre cut first took up his lodging under our roof. See, I actually quite like this opening because I feel like he's trying to make it like this is a true story that I've been asked to document. And I like, you know, I can't mm-hmm. tell you where the island is because then you'd go and steal the treasure. And I don't want to give you like the exact year because you might be able to work stuff out. And da, da, da. so I, I think he's omitting clues to kind of make it seem more like real. You know, like if you've got like a top secret dossier, bits of it might be blanked out. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. I think he's redacting it intentionally to give it that feeling of like this is secret okay. information that you're being let in on. People would just believe it because these people actually existed. And obviously, most of what we know about pirates is kind of myth and legend. Like, it's mostly from, like, stories and accounts. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a few, like, Blackbeard. I mean, we spoke about this when we did Peter Pan and there's, like, Blackbeard and there's actual... Went to eat, like, went to eat in college and stuff like that. But I think a lot of the culture is probably just, like, hearsay and folklore and tales so there people would have gone yeah "Yeah, this is true i wouldn't be surprised if the pirates started all those legends as well because what better way to make yourself fearsome and feared than like spreading your own bad publicity about how debaucherous and horrible you are as a person you know Mm -hmm. it's going to make standing up ships a lot easier when everyone thinks you're going to murder them i remember him as if it were yesterday and as he came plodding to the inn door his sea chest following behind him in a hand barrow, a tall, strong, heavy, nut-brown man, his tarry pigtail falling over the shoulder of his soiled blue coat, his hands ragged and scarred with black broken nails, and the sabre cut across one cheek, a dirty, livid white. I remember him looking round the cove and whistling to himself as he did so, and then breaking out in that old sea song, that he sang so often afterwards. And then I suppose this is this is the voice of this gentleman um, singing. Yeah, I don't know. Do we just go classic right off the bat and just make him a standard pirate man? Good starting traditional point. We can start to sort of un- unravel the madness, but if we keep yes. a lid on it for now, then yes. by, you know, chapter 268.4, we can <laughs> have it. Barry White... Barry White being chased by a sea lion uh, while on helium. <laughs> yeah, great. We should. We're, we're, we're going to get to a point where we're just put, put, picking names and situations out of a hat. Yes, I mean actually. Yes, I would be up for that. We should definitely do that on a chapter. Mm. I mean, some great descriptions there as well. I'm loving how like it's very easy to picture this guy. You've got you know his the color of his skin, the pigtails, the blue coat, ragged hands, black Scar broken nails, gross. Yeah, I'm I'm liking this. He seems like someone you don't want to mess with. Mm. I don't. I disagree. I think he could have done a Lewis Carroll and just gone. Look at the picture. What I done. <laughs> and, that, and that's it much better as a literary device I think. 
Fifteen men on a dead man's chest, a yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum. In the high old tottering voice that seemed to have been tuned and broken at the capstan bars. Then he rapped on the door with a bit of stick like a handspike that he carried, and when my father appeared, called roughly for a glass of rum. This, when it was brought to him, he drank slowly, like a connoisseur, lingering on the taste and still looking about him at the cliffs and up at our signboard. It says he rapped on the door of a bit of stick. Like, what's he carrying around? Like, because it's not a walking stick or like, it bit of stick, like a truncheon. It's not like a night stick. It's just a like. What? Why is he? Is he a dog? Look, Why is he carrying? Have you a never stick gone around? for a walk? Have you never gone for a walk in the woods or on the seaside and picked up a really cool stick? Maybe that's what he did. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, when I was like five, yeah. But like, <laughs> guys, I mean, I suppose maybe if he's been at sea a long time, it's been a long time since he's seen a really cool stick. So maybe that's why he picked it up. Maybe maybe it's got a really cool <laughs> knot on it. <laughs> yeah. I love those ones. <laughs> oh, maybe dear. he's gonna start maybe he's gonna start making like um homeware out of driftwood. Yeah. He's gonna have a stall at Greenwich Market. Yeah. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. Remove <laughs> you missing a personality. Replace it with empty vacuous words which you can put above your door made of driftwood. <laughs> <laughs> This is a handy cove, said he at length, and a pleasant situated grog shop. Much company, mate. My father told him no, very little company. The more was the pity. Well then, said he, this be the berth for me. Here you, matey, he cried to the man who trundled the barrow. Bring up alongside and help up my chest. I'll stay here a bit, he continued. I'm a plain man. Rum and bacon and eggs is what I want. <laughs> and that head up there for to watch ships off. Boozy brunch. <laughs> <laughs> bottomless is it, rum. Is it bottomless? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bottomless rum. It pretty uh, much was though, wasn't it? Like, I mean, yeah. I, by all accounts, most sort of sailor stories about the amount of that rum intake, it's like mad amounts. Like a litre a day. Ooh, easy. Watch your mod, call me. You might call me captain. Oh, I see what you're at there. And he threw down three or four gold pieces on the threshold. You can tell me when I've worked through that, says he, looking as fierce as a commander. And indeed, bad as his clothes were, and coarsely as he spoke, he had none of the appearance of a man who sailed before the mast, but seemed like a mate or skipper accustomed to be obeyed or to strike. The man who came with the barrow told us that the mail had set him down the morning before at the Royal George, that he had inquired what inns there were along the coast, and hearing ours well spoken of, I suppose, and described as lonely, had chosen it from the others for his place of residence, and that was all we could learn of our guest. He was a very silent man by custom. All day he hung round the cove or upon the cliffs with a brass telescope, all evening he sat in a corner of the parlour next the fire and drank rum and water very strong. Mostly he would not speak when spoken to, only look up sudden and fierce and blow through his nose like a foghorn. And we and the people who came about our house soon learnt to let him be. 
Every day, when he came back from his stroll, he would ask if any seafaring men had gone by along the road. At first, we thought it was the want of company of his own kind that made him ask this question. But at last, we began to see he was desirous to avoid them. When a seaman did put up at the Admiral Benbow, as now and then some did, making by the coast road for Bristol, he would look in at him through the curtained door before he entered the parlour, and he was always sure to be as silent as a mouse when any such was present. For me, at least, there was no secret about the matter, for I was, in a way, a sharer in his alarms. He had taken me aside one day and promised me a silver fourpenny on the first of every month if I would only keep my weather eye open for a seafaring man with one leg and let him know the moment he appeared. Often, though, when the first of the month came round, I applied to him for my wage. He would only blow through his nose at me and stare me down. But before the week was out, he was sure to think better of it, bring me my fourpenny piece and repeat his orders to look out for the seafaring man with one leg. How that personage haunted my dreams, I need scarcely tell you. On stormy nights, when the wind shook the four corners of the house and the surf roared along the cove and up the cliffs, I would see him in a thousand forms and with a thousand diabolical expressions. Now the leg would be cut off at the knee, now at the hip. Now he was a monstrous kind of creature who had never had but the one leg, and that was in the middle of his body. To see him leap and run and pursue me over hedge and ditch was the worst of nightmares, and altogether I paid pretty dear for my monthly fourpenny piece in the shape of these abominable fancies. I don't, I don't feel like somebody who's differently abled is that scary. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I don't you know think I mean? it's like, it's like, you've probably got the easiest job. You've been given the easiest job by someone who's going to give you like a bit of pocket money. All you've got to do is look out for this dude. And you're like, oh my God, it was awful. I imagine it's like, what are you going to do when you actually go to the Caribbean? Or, or go, yeah. like, you're going to have a nightmare. But also, <laughs> like, if you've got two legs, I don't think you have to worry about not being able to outrun somebody with only one. Like, no, uh, in this yeah. time, it's not like they had those Olympic blades like they do in the Paralympics. Do you know what I mean? Where no. The person can kind of like run just as fast as somebody with two legs. Like, he probably had a crutch under one el- you know, armpit and that was it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like they're not going to. He's a young lad. His, his imagination know, but it's just, got it taken it's, away with him. I know, but it's just funny that like the baddie that we're all meant to be fearful of right now is kind of like a differently able person who's just, you know, trying to walk down the street. <laughs> <laughs> but though I was so terrified by the idea of the seafaring man with one leg, I was far less afraid of the captain himself than anybody else who knew him. There were nights when he took a good deal more rum and water than his head would carry, and then he would sometimes sit and sing his wicked old wild sea songs, minding nobody, but sometimes he would call for glasses round and force all the trembling company to listen to his stories, or bear a chorus to his singing. Often I have heard the house shaking with yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum, all the neighbours joining in for dear life, with the fear of death upon them, and each singing louder than the other to avoid remark. For in these fits, 
he was the most overriding companion ever known. He would slap his hand on the table for silence all round. He would fly up in a passion of anger at a question, or sometimes because none was put, and so he judged the company was not following his story. Nor would he allow anyone to leave the inn till he had drunk himself sleepy and reeled off to bed. This sounds awful. This dude needs a life coach. Yeah. <laughs> He's holding everybody captive to himself and his drunken nonsense. Like, yeah. Oh. yeah. He's that awkward guy in the pub that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Thanks, mate. Oh, mate. Yeah. My my trip advisor review of this inn would be so bad while this yeah. person's <laughs> living here. <laughs> I came here with my wife for a very relaxed weekend <laughs> on the English countryside. But unfortunately, a very when I when I complained to the proprietor of the hotel, they just said, "Well, that's the way it is." I'm afraid. I <laughs> they not stay here again. Hear you time. just keep singing and get drunk yourself. You'll be fine. <laughs> I think it's what they uh, politely call local colour. His stories were what frightened people worst of all. Dreadful stories they were about hanging and walking the plank and storms at sea and the dry tortugas and wild deeds and places on the Spanish main. By his own account, he must have lived his life among some of the wickedest men that God ever allowed upon the sea. And the language in which he told these stories shocked our plain country people almost as much as the crimes that he described. My father was always saying the inn would be ruined, for people would soon cease coming there to be tyrannised over and put down, and sent shivering to their beds. But I really believe his presence did us good. People were frightened at the time, but on looking back they rather liked it. It was a fine excitement in a quiet country life, and there was even a party of the younger men who pretended to admire him, calling him a true sea dog and a real old salt and such like names, and saying there was the sort of man that made England terrible at sea. In one way, indeed, he bade fair to ruin us, for he kept on staying week after week, and at last month after month, so that all the money had been long exhausted, and still my father never plucked up the heart to insist on having more. If he ever mentioned it, the captain blew through his nose so loudly that you might say he roared and stared my poor father out of the room. <laughs> I've seen him wringing his hands after such a rebuff, and I am sure the annoyance and the terror he lived in must have greatly hastened his early and unhappy death. All the time he lived with us, the captain made no change whatever in his dress, but to buy some stockings from a hawker. <laughs> Fishnets. I love how that word's changed. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine feeling saucy. Like, yeah, is that Went to Summers. Got <laughs> <laughs> some saucy stockings. It just feels right. <laughs> now, if we think about the practicalities of this, though, he cha he didn't change his clothes a single time. And I don't think underwear uh... was invented at this period, but like everything would have just been a little bit. Especially after all that booze and and probably rich food and oh, no yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how Again, anybody spent time with anybody else in this time they must have all just no. stunk do you know what I mean like you must have just got used to it yeah I think so oh, could you imagine yeah. like, like oh no one brushed their teeth people nobody, just people oh. just pissed in the corner of the room didn't they yeah like a lot of the time lovely oh, throw your poo out the window. Their immune systems yeah, must have it. been amazing. 
Well, yeah, they just they died in their twenties. Yeah, well, like, that, they, had yeah. To, they had to have like smallpox and plague for them to do it. Mm. <laughs> Gross. Hardy folk. Yeah. One of the cocks of his hat having fallen down, he let it hang from that day forth, though it was a great annoyance when it blew. I remember the appearance of his coat, which he patched himself upstairs in his room, and which before the end was nothing but patches. He never wrote or received a letter, and he never spoke with any but the neighbours, and with these for the most part only when drunk on rum. The great sea chest none of us had ever seen open. He was only once crossed, and that was towards the end, when my poor father was far gone in a decline that took him off. Dr. Livesey came late one afternoon to see the patient, took a bit of dinner from my mother, and went into the parlour to smoke a pipe until his horse should come down from the hamlet, for we had no stabling at the old Benbow. I followed him in, and I remember observing the contrast, the neat, bright doctor, with his powder as white as snow, and his bright black eyes and pleasant manners made with the cultish country folk, and above all with that filthy, heavy, bleared scarecrow of a pirate of ours, sitting far gone in rum, with his arms on the table. Suddenly he, the captain, that is, began to pipe up his eternal song. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest, eat a ho-haw and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest, eat a ho-haw and a bottle of rum. At first I had supposed the dead man's chest to be that identical big box of his upstairs in the front room, and the thought had been mingled in my nightmares with that of a one-legged seafaring man. But by this time... We had all long ceased to pay any particular notice to the song. It was new that night, but nobody but Dr. Livesey, and on him I observed it did not produce an agreeable effect, for he looked up for a moment quite angrily before he went on with his talk to old Taylor the gardener on a new cure for the rheumatics. In the meantime, the captain gradually brightened up at his own music and at last flapped his hand upon the table before him in a way we all knew to mean silence. <laughs> the voices stopped at once, all but Dr. Livesey's. He went on as before, speaking clear and kind and drawing briskly from his pipe between every word or two. The captain glared at him for a while, flapped his hand again, glared still harder, and at last broke out with a villainous low oath. Silence there between decks! And then we get the voice of Dr. Livesey. So this guy's basically turned up with a powdered face and <laughs> I'm assuming probably some kind of old school wig. If he's a in, bit upper yeah, crust. Kind of a Georgian fashion. Yes, I believe so. That seems to be mm, what... Can we make him just a little bit... Mm, and you know, it sort of lingers on the odd word like that. Oh, I quite enjoy okay. that. That's quite fun. Yeah, yeah. What he said. Yeah. <laughs> I just when I sometimes it, it sometimes you don't have to think of the voices; they just come to you. They yes. just naturally arrive. Don't it, they? You go. Yeah. Well, that's what I want, and then I, I then I proceed to not have to do it and make someone else work. <laughs> yeah. Given time. You just pass the button. Not that I can't do them, but I could never work out or remember. I, I don't know how how Josh remembers. Who's taught like what he did for certain voices sometimes? They were like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't half the time. He has to ask Matt to remind him. Um, yeah. But you know, 
Oh well. <clears throat> it's all out of games. Mm. <laughs> Were you addressing me, sir? <laughs> <laughs> he's kinky. Yeah. He's seen the stockings and he's all over it. <laughs> Says the doctor. And when the ruffian had told him with another oath that this was so, I have only one thing to say to you, sir, replies the doctor, that if you keep on drinking rum, the world will soon be quit of a very dirty scoundrel. The old fellow's fury was awful. He sprang to his feet, drew and opened a sailor's clasp knife, and balancing it open on the palm of his hand, threatened to pin the doctor to the wall. <laughs> the doctor never so much as moved. He spoke to him as before, over his shoulder, and in the same tone of voice, rather high, so that all the room might hear, but perfectly calm and steady. If you do not put that knife this instant in your pocket, I promise, upon my honour, you shall hang at the next assizes. We've got a photo here. There's a photo in the book. Yeah, see, we've photo. got an illustration. The pirate. Finds yeah. With his oh, knife. Of exactly pretty, this pretty, moment. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we made this doctor quite, but he's quite sort of bloody. He's the opposite of the boy. He's quite ballsy. He's like, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, if someone comes to you with a knife, you're going to be like, put that away. You're like, I'm a running yes. away. Definitely, um, particularly if the guy's hammered and probably isn't really in his right mind. Yeah. Do you think if someone attacked you a knife in uh, modern day UK and you went, put that knife away and I'll have you <laughs> hanged for the next diseases, uh, it's not going down the same way, is it? No, it's really not. Definitely. Particularly like, if you were dressed like that. Might have the opposite effect, yes. Mm. Yes. I love how the guy's like proper leaning forward, like he's like really talking down to a naughty child as well. He's kind of got that slight teacher lean. He has. He's he? got a he's, great yes. teacher lead. He's looking dicking Wait down forward. on him. Yeah. Then followed a battle of looks between them, but the captain soon knuckled under, put up his weapon, and resumed his seat, grumbling like a beaten dog. <laughs> so they're the staring contest. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now, sir, continued the doctor, since I now know there's such a fellow in my district... You may count, I'll have an eye upon you, day and night. I'm not a doctor only, I'm a magistrate. And if I can catch a breath of complaint against you, if it's only for a piece of incivility like tonight's, I'll take effectual means to have you hunted down and rooted out of this. Let that suffice. Soon after, Dr Livesey's horse came to the door and he rode away. But the captain held his peace that evening, and for many evenings to come. End of chapter. I quite like the fact that I quite like the doctor. He's very no nonsense, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. I imagine the um the landlord guy when he said that, going like, I'll have you written up, he's probably sitting there going, I've got some complaints. <laughs> you know? My business is going under because of him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't say there's any hidden meanings to this book. <laughs> yeah. What did he mean by this drunken person who's a bit of a laugh? 
he's, uh, a, he's a drunken it's, pirate. It's a, it's, yeah. a metaphor, it's a metaphor for nature and the passing of time. <laughs> he hasn't it's got a name yet, has he? He hasn't, no. Keith. I mean, it's kind of quite clear from the fact that obviously he's asking people to keep an eye out for the. Like, he's he's worried that someone's going to come and someone's hunting him down. He seems like he's yeah he's definitely um, in hiding. Yes, as it were. So I'm just having a look at Spark Notes, but I feel like because this is kind of quite a straightforward narrative and it doesn't really hold any kind of like metaphor or anything like that. Um, the main thing it explores is like overarching themes of the book and stuff like that. So probably what we'll have to do is actually look at those later on in the um, in the book instead. And then we can kind of have a, have a look at like what the overarching themes of the kind of story are. Uh, but I think probably what's a good time now is to play our little game show of Guess what the next chapter's called? It's the first time I've ever sung that. Yeah, bad out. It's fun, isn't it? It's yeah. quite fun, actually. I'm going to steal that off you now. Fun. Yeah. So I've not looked at the next chapter. You've not looked at the next chapter, David. What would you reckon? No. Um, I reckon it's going to be something like The Man with One Leg. I'm going right down the middle with this one. Just straight down the barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, something bad arrives is my something bad arrives. I don't Stop know. I don't know how I can explain. It's happening, happening in Bristol. <laughs> I guess it's Bristol. But that's I don't know. It is. It's it's bad yeah. Something bad happens, and the man with one with one leg. There's something bad well, arrives. Arrives. I'd like. I'd like. I'd like the notion of something coming into the. Okay, a sense of Okay. Yes, uh, foreboding in some way. Um, yeah. You're both wrong. You're both wrong. But okay. um, in many ways, you both might be equally wrong. <laughs> Don't know why I said that. Is it like because alcohol poisoning or something? Or... It is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's. Um, it's. Yeah. It's the old fella gets coked off his face. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, the doctor's chapter... revenge. The AA meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chapter two is entitled. Black dog appears and disappears. Is this actually a dog, or is black dog like a pirate's name? S- sounds pretty. Got black beard. Yeah, black dog. It's not a black dog. It's black dog. Ah, and it's a capital yeah, B. They never. It's a capital B. Never and a capital like ah, so I reckon it might be a person then. Okay. Then again, appears and disappears are also capitalized. So. Oh, okay. It's just the title it's a, it's a, then. It's a toss up. Yeah. One thing we didn't actually establish is the so the narrator is the son of the guy that owns the inn as well. Who apparently has died now, yes. The the, the innkeeper, you mean, right? Not the innkeeper the is dead. The, dad, <laughs> yeah. the narrator died in chapter one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he, st- he died while writing 17. It's like oh, he died right halfway through the sentence. Lord of the Rings, <laughs> like, they're coming. They're coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, why are you writing? In the mind yeah, exactly. Of Run, you oh, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, the narrator is a little servant boy who works at the inn. So his dad dies, but is still alive at this current moment. His mum's yeah. alive, so we'd be interested to see what happens to her um, yeah. and also the inn as well. 
So, I mean, it's kind of thing, as you said, David, it's like trying not to give anything away because you're not quite sure how long it is until the like next turn of events that causes, you know, the set off to Treasure Island occurs. So yeah, they go to Treasure Island. That's a that's a spoiler alert. Well, yeah, I mean that's kind of in the title. So there is going to be treasure, (laughs) which is still there because the first paragraph tells you that. So still treasure on the island. So they obviously didn't. Oh dear. So they didn't take it all at least. So if you've got any thoughts or opinions on this first chapter, you can message us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. Or you could slide on down to Twitter and you could tell us all about piracy um, <laughs> at Lazy Book Club Pod. <laughs> or you could do your own illustrations and see if you can beat the book on Instagram at Lazy Book Club Pod. Mm. Or beat send us book. a little video of you singing a sea shanty. TikTok. Yeah. Oh. So why not? Also, we are on Patreon, where for the very small fee of $3 a month, you get an extra episode every month, as well as opportunities to watch the video, which have illustrations for this book, because this book has illustrations. It's so worth it. It's well worth the money. Uh, currently, we are looking at The Grim Tales, and we are working through that. The most recent one to go up was The Turnip, I believe. So, yeah, if you want to know oh, about Roasted Bitch. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it was. It was very yeah. weird as most of the Grim Tales are. But we also have ideas for other stuff as well. So we're going to, you know, this year, we're going to have some... We're not doing Grim for yeah, No, we're going to have some know, fun with the Patreon this year, I we, think. We're going to do a podcast while bungee jumping. Uh, well, or... I think what we did say is that probably for the Patreon, we should do a reverse podcast where me or David read the book and Josh finally gets an opportunity to throw a stupid voice at us instead, which would be great because yeah. I can probably do about two accents. <laughs> yeah. Josh sure gonna be like... alone, so, we'll be fine. Yeah. so it's going to be incredibly offensive. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why it's behind a paywall. (laughs) Anyway, we will see you next week for chapter two, which was Black Dog comes and disappears again or something. Appears and disappears. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to know if the Black Dog's a person or an animal, you have to tune in for next week. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.